Hello and welcome to the SRF podcast. I'm Ollie and I'm Ben. If you're watching on YouTube, please remember to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and let us know in the comments what guest you'd like to see on the podcast next. Or if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five star review. It really does help us out. Enjoy the show. Oh, hello and welcome to the SRF podcast. I'm Ollie Ballinger. And with me is my co-host, Ben Williamson. Ben, how are you, mate? Yeah, very well, pal. You? Yeah, how's your week been? Uh, not as exciting as yours, coming back from Ibsa, I guess. Um, international stage yet again? Yeah, yeah, we had a nice world tournament in Birmingham. That was uh, that was exciting. Uh, but what's more, even more exciting is uh, introducing our very first guest onto the Yes Ref podcast. And we're joined by no other than Ben Glass. Ben, welcome. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. You, you have to slow down because you're speaking a different language. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. I think we can do that. <laughs> we can do that. I think there's a, one other thing we ought to clear up is we've got two Bens on the call. So I think Ben from YesRef will refer to you as Benno. Uh, yeah, and we'll uh, call ben. probably had a lot worse. So yeah, I can take Benno. That's fine. <laughs> eventually, eventually, they'll be able to tell by the accent anyway. So we'll go. Yeah. hopefully i don't For do sure, that thing obviously. that you normally do when you're like watching tv or something you start trying to replicate the accent without knowing it if i do that <laughs> let me know i'll stop immediately okay. <laughs> very good uh, ben do you want to um introduce yourself tell us a little bit about you yeah so i i'm here in america i live uh right outside of washington dc i'm 65 year old my profession is i'm an attorney i've got a second business i, I coach lawyers and how to grow uh, great law firms um, and for, as we were saying before we went live, for almost 50 years, I've been refereeing. Um, took some time off as I, we've got a large family. I've got nine children. Yeah, yeah um, that, that's you know, one of my questions. Businesses. Uh, took some time off, uh, but now I've been back six, seven, eight, nine years refereeing primarily at what we call the high school level. So the 18, 19 year old school level. Um, although I did an adult game uh, last night, um, kind of a, an adult recreational league co-ed, so it was fine. But I did, you know, I did my 5.3 miles in the game, um, and so I've, I, you know, I, I've gotten a lot out of refereeing. I, I write books. I, I, I like to coach and teach um, teenage referees uh, in particular who are trying something that's really hard, um, having the courage to go and do it, and uh, giving them uh, sort of mindset ideas on how to get through their first couple of seasons. Uh, but I still enjoy it. I do it for the fitness and the, and really the psychological and, and mental, the challenge of going and managing a game. Awesome. I mean, it's tremendous that you're, you're, you've done any 50 years of um, of refereeing. I mean, I'm not sure if that's um, brave, foolish or enjoyable. <laughs> so, yeah, but for me, it's really enjoyable. My, my uh, When I came home last night, my wife, Sandy, said, well, was it everything you expected it to be? I said, it was even, it was even better. Um, I, I, again, the fitness challenge, the uh, the butterflies you get for any game. It doesn't matter for me if it's 12 and under game, adult game, whatever. Like, there's an excitement that, hey, I'm going to come to the game. I'm going to bring something to the game. Like, and I'm a big proponent in America here of sportsmanship and I'm anti crazy parents and all that stuff. <laughs> um, and, I'm, and I'm going to, because I grew up playing the game and, and was fortunate enough to play with good players. And had a good career through college, through university, playing uh, soccer. Um, and so it's just some. It's weird. Look, it's weird to be a sports official. It's just that's a small. <laughs> that's just a weird thing. And uh, you know, I but but I like nothing more. Like, give me a game 
that's competitive with teams that are rivals with people in the stands. Like I want that game. I'm, I'm not the best referee in the world, not perfect, but I want that game because I think I can bring something to the game. Fascinating. You mentioned that um, you generally like to do kind of teenage football, 18s, 19s school games. Um, why is that? Why why the preference over that to to adult adult soccer? Uh, one has been timing. It just fit into my otherwise busy schedule better. That's changing a little bit. So the high school games, you know, many of them in the we're recording this in the fall of 2023. So many of those games in America kick off at 4:30 in the afternoon or so. Um, and there is, you know, there's an excitement about doing a high school game, national anthem, people in the stands. Again, it sounds weird to someone who's not a sports official, a match official, but I like that energy. Um, and in, you know, many of the adult games, if the league isn't good and doesn't stand behind the referees, that can just be a real horror show. And, and I did that. And, you know, there was a time that was really fun in my 20s. And then it became not fun as I um, had other things going on. And, you know, it was hard to keep up with fitness. Um, but now I'm, I'm like, hey, give me some adult games. Again, I get my five miles in. Let's test. Let's test to see if he can still bring it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So if we take it all the way back to when you was uh, a kid, what, what, attracted you to refereeing at such a young age? Yeah, so I so I grew up, again, with good players. So when we were 18, we were the uh, champions of the country. My, my club team was national champions. And we're about 15, 16, you know, we had coaches. Now, this is back in America. Soccer is relatively new in the 70s, 1974. The coaches are volunteer coaches. Many of the coaches were foreign-born coaches, like my coach was from Dublin. Um, and I had a coach from Mexico. Um, and they just encouraged us, like, hey, you guys are really keen on the game because I grew up with guys and we just played all the time. We would just get together and play all the time. It didn't matter the year, the season, whatever. And they said, hey, it looks like this would be something you might just be interested in. It would make you actually a better player. And so, uh, you know, I was a reader. I, I love to read books and just went on the course. And I, so I was really in the first cohort. There was about four or five of us, my teammates, who were among the first, I think, teenage referees, certainly in our area, Washington, D.C. area, probably in the country. Again, it was you new. Know, most of the referees at the time were male and they were foreign born. Right. So they had grown up playing or coaching soccer. Um, and so it was just uh, interesting. And uh, I don't know what it's hard to explain, Ali, like why you like it. Um, and and it's hard to explain looking back how I got through the first couple of years of really the abuse, because if you think about it, the coaches were foreign born. They all believed that they knew more than this redheaded, skinny American kid who was out there at 16 doing youth games and then at 18 and 19 doing some of the top senior amateur games in the Washington DC area. Like, so now I'm doing like British embassy against Argentinian embassy. Okay. Challenging adult senior amateur football. And here I am American kid with, with no, like, why should we respect him? It's hard to understand how I got through that, but I like, yeah. and I had some good mentors. Yeah. So just picking up on that, I think the, the the course now to be a referee is probably very different to what it was um, 
I say way back when, but that's probably a bit harsh. Back in 1970, when you did your course, um, <laughs> what, <way> <laughs> what, what did the course look like? What, how did you qualify yeah. back in the day? Like, so there was, yeah, there, so there was one guy over in, near us uh, who was kind of running all of the referees in the area. Again, soccer was not that big, football was not that big. There weren't that many clubs and teams, and so I think it was five nights. We drove about 45 minutes away and sat in a class and learned the laws of the game. And this was really cool because you wouldn't see this today. At the end of the five days, we took the written test. And on the back, um, he had all this equipment, like shirts and shorts and stuff. And uh, he says, take what you need, and I'll just write it down, and I'll take it out of your pay at the end of the season. So made it efficient. I mean, I had adults who were taking us over there and helping us. Made it efficient to get started. And then we went to the back of the room, and they had all these uh, paper out on uh, tables that had all the various youth games. And we just uh, kind of signed up for the whole season. I'll do three games here, three games here. And when I was, so when I was a teenager, I was playing at a high level club team, you know, one of the best teams in America when we were 18. And every spare minute I was refereeing. Uh, and in college, in the university, I played. And every spare minute I was refereeing too. <laughs> so uh, it's different today, uh, but it's probably better then because it was. In person, um, nothing on the field, as I remember, this classroom, um, and a, a small cohort of, of men that first year uh, who, like, then they knew who you were, and they would uh, help you and mentor you. What was the... Um... Like, what was the money like back then in terms of, like, comparison to what society was? Was it was it as good as it is today in some places? Oh, I, I think so. So my recollection is what they would do is you'd, you'd work your games and you'd have to go to a meeting at the end of the season to get your check. So 300 American dollars. So, say, for a 16-year-old boy right before Christmas was awesome. I don't remember yeah. what it broke, broke down to. I recently did, um, for my spring season... I did a little calculation of how much time I invested in refereeing, training, uh, training course, mandatory classes, game from uh, leaving the home to coming back to the home. To, I tried to estimate all of my hours. I looked at all of my money. It was $18 an hour. Like, okay, so we're definitely not doing this for the money. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's improved or, or not. But when you really look at the cost of refereeing in terms of your time and the investment in equipment, because, you know, many of us, not everyone, but many of us use communication headsets and they're still not cheap. Um, you're not doing it for the, for the money. But a teenager can. So here's the cool thing. Like in America, a teenager can go out. I interviewed a kiddo a few years ago. It made like $1,200 on a weekend, on a tournament weekend. So in America, these three-day holidays, There'll be lots of youth games. Now, you got to work really hard. So he's working maybe five, six games, and maybe that's too many games to do. And so we would do – he would probably do a couple in the, middle, in the middle, a couple on the line, maybe for younger kids, a solo middle, and walking away with $1,200. And some of these tournaments will pay you a bonus. Like if you do X number of games, we'll pay you a bonus. So you can, you can do this. And it, I've always maintained that it's the best job in the world because you pick the days you want to work. You do get, as a teenager, I think you get paid well. Um, it ha comes with it responsibility, right? Because you got to like have your uniform be clean and be able to know how you're going to get to the game and all that stuff. Uh, but the older you get, I think you do it for different reasons now. 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, sorry to cross you. Do you think that coaches and the people, in, other people involved in the game, understand uh, or have any understanding around refereeing? Because we we've basically just worked out that we don't really do it for the money, even like the slightly older referees and the time and effort that goes into training and fitness training and laws of the yeah. game updates and all that sort of stuff. Do do you think that's probably not publicised well enough for people to have an understanding of what we do and why we do it? So I find that most coaches, the higher up the I call, call the higher up the food chain, the higher the level of the team, I think most coaches understand because they are also in it. Probably not too much for the money. When you look at all the hours that they work, it's the parents that have an unreasonable expectation that if I, if my kiddo, my fourteen year old kiddo, was going to go play in a tournament in Fairfax, Virginia, which is where I live, that 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 they're going to get like an MLS referee. Or, or a premiership referee, quality, um, ability to run. Uh, and that's just, that's unreasonable, okay? It just, it just is. And so their expectation, in part because they see games on TV, of course, now with VAR made it, I think, even... The VAR is interesting because I think it shows that most of the time the referee gets it right. And when you watch the VAR replay like seven times and the announcer is going, oh, yeah, that was a foul. Oh, no, it wasn't a foul. Oh, now I see. Like, okay, yeah, it is actually really hard to see this in real time. So I think the parental expectation, and in America, you have you have so many parents who, pay, who are paying a lot of money for their kids to play. Like, I don't know if that's a problem where you are, but paying a lot of money to be on these academy teams, hoping that they're going to get a scholarship to a university, right? And most aren't. And so, and they're paying a lot to travel to tournaments. And so they expect MLS, FIFA quality officials. And I tell them, look, dude, you're just one more line on my schedule. I get pitched by assigners every weekend. My email blows up. Hey, we need referees here, here, and here. I'm picking the thing that looks interesting. Like referees in America, they're not going, well, that's a, that's a super high-class tournament. Like I should do it or I shouldn't do it. They're going, nope, they're paying X. It fits into my schedule. I'll go even if I'm not actually qualified uh, because because there's not enough people to go, oh, Ali, no, you shouldn't do this tournament because you're not experienced enough. So you go out there and maybe you're doing the best you can. The parents think I should have FIFA referee, FIFA level referee, which is unreasonable. The coaches hate the parents too because the parents are always trying to tell them how to coach. Right? How come Johnny? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and the coaches, I think the coaches mainly get it. Interesting in America, the lower level, the recreational level coaches are the ones that can. Like I had a guy, he's just a dad coaching a team. God bless him, but he's yelling at me trying to teach me a handball. Like a couple of months ago, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I actually I understand this thing. <laughs> and thanks for <So>, coaching. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting about the parents and the perception, like because like they they definitely pay uh, here in England, you know, for the towards the club and everything. And I think it's more than just money. Like they put a lot into into their children in terms of taking them to to games. Yeah. And a lot know. of them volunteer for clubs and stuff as well and take on other roles. So I think they are quite heavily invested, aren't they? You know, and you know, I, I guess there is an expectation that the referee is going to be as good as what they see on the telly in some respects, or at least. Um, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. and that's just an unreasonable expectation for youth sports. I mean, look, the reality is the kids forget about the weekend on Monday, like they're on to the next thing, and 
I had an interesting experience as the parent. So one of my sons a few years ago was playing at a decently high level, not the highest level, decently high level. We're playing in tournaments and, and a mom says to me at the hotel one night, she goes, how can you sit there so calmly? Like everyone else is all riled up for the game. I said, I said, ma'am, I've got nine kids. I have played, refereed, coached, or participated in thousands of games, thousands of games in my life. None of it matters. Uh, and so that's how I can sit there calmly knowing that this could be another game next weekend. My kid is not like going to go play professional. Like we, we get it. But your kid isn't either, by the way. And so why don't you just enjoy the game, meet a parent on the other team and say hi and get to know somebody. But no, and crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's really interesting. So like, how do you deal with a parent as a, as a young referee um, in a situation that you might not be, you might not have much life experience. Yeah, exactly. So, and that, and that's what I think my book, You, a Teenage Soccer Referee, is really geared towards. So first you have to have a level of self-confidence. So you, you have to be willing to study and be right on the laws of the game. You could be, the, the uh, education comes from judging, like judging challenges, but you should be perfect on what do the laws of the game say. And so if you study that, that gives you, okay, I, at least I know what the laws of the game say. Um, the second thing that we, that I like to teach is, is you have to listen to dissent. <laughs> you have to not take it uh, because you're only going to allow it to grow more. So in America, the way we teach it in America is if the parents are giving a hard time, we're supposed to go to the coaches and say, hey, I need you to go talk to your parents. And usually that solves the problem. That's not my, I have experience and I have, you know, a certain power dynamic in a moment. And so I'm like the open palm. Hey, enough. Like, we're good here. I don't need that. And usually that solves the problem. Um, but but teen referees, you know, need to, they need to be better at the laws of the game than the, than the parents. And they need also to know that it's okay to not be very good because you cannot be good. I believe in your first two full years, like you just haven't seen enough. Um, and then you just realize that there's going to be that parent, but don't let it go on. I mean, for God's sake, like, no, we're not doing that here. We're stopping the game until you decide to either be quiet, cheer positively or leave your choice. But I'm not restarting the game. And so the, in America, we teach, you know, the referee doesn't have the power to send a parent out, you know, off the field. True. But we do have the power to not restart the game. <laughs> Until you leave, Ollie. So that's the way. Um, it, but the hardest. So, so then the other thing is, if you're the parent of a teen referee, like I think you got to be there and you got to watch what's going on. And if and if somebody is out of line with your your teen, or if if Ben is out of field and I see some coach or parent going at a referee, I don't even know. Like I'm just I'm just at the game because my kid's getting ready to play or something. You don't want to be that parent because I will, I will. Uh, confront you. Challenge. I will put yeah. you on video. I will put you on YouTube. Um, and yeah, no, I mean, like, it's really interesting listening to that because all of a sudden, like, there is a clear, tangible thing that, as a young referee, I can actually do. Like, I can sit in my bed and read the laws of the game, right? Yes. And that that will give me a little bit of of confidence. You know, it's just really simple. You know, I can you can do that tomorrow, right? You can do that, and you can you can come properly equipped. Right, which isn't a problem in America. We have, we have many suppliers of uniforms and flags and whistles. 
you can here's a, here's a skill, right? A lot of kids have never blown a whistle before. Go we, practice, we, dude. That's changed now. Back in the day when uh, Ollie and I did our course, yeah, we'd sit in the room and read the laws of the game, and that was it. If we can know that, we're we're good. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot yeah. different now, and we we spend time on the field of play. We're out there. We're, we're practicing those skills with the whistles, with the flags, with the caution technique to try and kind of and it's really repetitive to try and get like concrete that into the head of how, how it's done and blowing the whistle for example because it's such that's, a powerful tool right yeah i mean that's really good i think the, the the thing that's been the best um is these videos that have the audio of the referee communications with them with their with their teammates and also with the var room and here's what you see calmness you see you hear players surrounding them you're a free very calm that is such a great teaching tool that I wish, you know, had been available. It wasn't obviously in the seventies. Um, and I would say to a young referee, if there's anything else, nothing else you could do, like go find these uh, mic'd up videos of rugby referees and football referees, and just listen to how calm they are as they deal with, uh, you know, emotion and outbursts on the field. Because I guess most of it's factual, right? This is what I know. This is what the laws of the game say. This is what I can see. Can I match the two together? Great. I've got an outcome. I've seen this, this, and this. In the laws of the game, it states it's a red card. I'm going to go and give a red card. 100%. And by the way, that's a great line. Is coach, I'll tell you what I saw. Because you, no one can dispute what you believe you saw. And so referees make the mistake. You go, no, this is what actually happened. I don't know what actually happened. Sometimes when I watch the video... Like what actually happened is different from what I saw or thought I saw on the field. But if, if a referee will use that line, coach, I will tell you what I saw. There's hardly any comeback from that. Oh, well, you miss it. Okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll try better. Oh, this I'll, is what I saw. What yeah. I saw. Um, Just going back to, if I may, you made a question about challenging the, uh, speaking to the coach or to talk to the parent. And something that I try and address referees to do or try and encourage them to do is do it the first time. The first time they step out of line, 100%. go and do it. Let's not wait until the 75th, 80 minutes of the game for the last five minutes to then go, I've had enough now. Because to me, you have 70 minutes of challenges for five minutes of peace. Now we can really easily reverse that, right? Go over in the first five minutes, the first time it's said to go, okay, great, already not acceptable. And then everybody gets to enjoy the, the rest of the game. You agree? A hundred percent. Um, and then I, let me take it one step further. So if you're a, you guys, right, older referee or someone really old like me, we have to do that too because next week there's a 16-year-old referee on that game with that coach and I can't allow dissent, un, unfestered dissent to go on because I'm setting the next referee up, the young referee up for failure. And so, it, you know, you're right. The first thing I have is like, hey, my line is, we're not doing that here today. Oh, blah, 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 blah. No, we're not. Okay. And in America, we teach. If, so if I have to, you know, we ask, tell, and dismiss. I'm asking you, Ollie, I need you to behave. Great. And if I have to come over again, it's to caution you. If I come twice, it's to send you off. That works most of the time. But you're exactly right, Ben, is that the problem is, is that young referees don't feel empowered. They don't have the confidence. Like, oh, the coach said something of the laws of the game, and I'm, I'm really not sure now. Like, is that an indirect free kick or a direct free kick? I'm really not sure. And and now they lose their confidence, and so now they they, they, they don't want to have that confrontation. Look, confrontation is hard, but 
I think what we teach is it's not really competition. It's like, I hear you. I heard you the three times you said that, but we're not doing that this, you know, we're not doing that here today. That's effective for me. Now, you know, I think that to, to further that as well, like, I try and encourage referees, especially the new referees that go off the course, right? I think, yes, we should be the experts in the laws of the game and we should have all of this skill and all this knowledge and straight after the course, probably not. And as you said, it takes a couple of years to learn. So in the right way, I think it's really cool to be able to go over to the coach, the manager to say, look, right now, not appropriate. Like, this is what I saw. I'm giving this. We're getting on with it. Please like, be careful what you're doing and how you're presenting it. However, at the end of the game, I'd love to talk to you, coach, to see what you think I could do better. Because I think for me, it just shifts that power dynamic a little bit, even if you're 15, 16, to go, I really want your input and I'd love to know how you can help me develop. But during the 60 minutes of the game, 70 minutes of the game, not helpful. Exactly. And with so many games in America, like all the high school games are video recorded anyway. So my other line is, I'm happy to look at the video with you later. And I've had coaches send send to me or send to my assigner the video. And sometimes they're 100% right. Like, Again, I'm surprised that what, what I thought I saw in real time is different from what we're seeing on the video. But but that's just okay. And it's a great it's a great showstopper too. Like, hey, I'm, I'm happy to talk to you. As you said, Ben, I'm happy to talk to you after the game. Like, like him, but not to yell at me, not to tell me that I'm wrong, but just to have a discussion. So I have coaches come up and go, and they'll ask, like, tell me what you saw. And I go, here's what I saw. And they go, okay, good. Thanks for explaining it. So I... I... What I'm really interested in, uh, given you've nearly been refereeing for 50 years, because um, I've had it and I've been refereeing about um, about 18 years. If you had a moment or a game where you've realised, I don't want to referee again, like has that thought ever popped into your head? Yeah, so I've retired a couple of times and come back. And usually it was because of this. So the first time I was in law school or early in my career, and I was doing adult game, I was doing a high-end senior amateur football and I didn't have the time to do physical training. And so getting through the game physically was hard. And, and, and if that's hard, then the rest of it just becomes harder because now I feel like I'm letting the game down because I can't run for 90 minutes or get in the right position. So here I am at the other end of the spectrum at 65. I'm pretty fit. I do a lot of CrossFit training. I, you know, I'm, I I can get up and down the field and and I think plus, you own the gym. Is that a comment you used in one of your videos? You, yeah, you yeah, the son owns like, the CrossFit gym. Yeah, yeah, basically that. Um, so so I think it it's it's there. All in the other times were when I just felt that leagues I was working for had no feedback and no positive, no visible positive support for the referees. So you'd send somebody off. And two weeks later, you have them again, and they're doing the same thing. Like, okay, so where's the sanction? Where is all this information that I'm giving the team going? Um, and so that was hard. When you, don't, when you don't feel that you have a referee community or, a, or an organizational structure that supports the referees, that's saying, yes, darn it, like zero tolerance, we want to be better. That just makes it hard, whether you're a new teen referee or an experienced referee, if you feel like the league doesn't support the game, the sport of football, right? That's hard. It is difficult, for sure. It is difficult. But I think there is there is something about the games that you have that are really good that just want you to come back and, you know, want to do it again, you know. And it's, as long as there's someone there, right, at the end of the phone, and like whether it's a coach, whether it's an ex-referee, 
or whether it's some someone completely different just to like be a bouncing board. I think if there's someone there at the yeah. end of the phone, right? You just you just want to go again. I think at times I have a, a small cohort of friends, and like I'll uh, we'll send the videos right to each other after the game. We go, you won't believe this mistake I made. Look at what an idiot I am, right? Um, and so we do that, and we learn, and, and we uh, we encourage each other, and we share stories because look, it's hard, but you know many things in life are hard to do, and so that's why most people won't do hard things. We're just weird. Like we like to do hard things to do CrossFit. That's hard, right? I don't know. It is something cool to be able to say I'm 65 and I can keep up with 18 year olds. Like that's a cool space, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. And I say that, yeah, I say that not without, not with arrogance, but just kind of proudly, like that's a cool thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. So like, and then like you, you've had quite the career because you've gone from, you know, refereeing, you're an, an attorney or a lawyer as we, we probably call them this side of the pond. And then you've had this entrepreneurial spirit where you've taken it upon yourself to go and to go and write a book. What, what inspired you to to go and do that? Because Ben and I are doing something something similar with YesRef, you know. Yeah, so like we're we're, we're functionally unemployable. Right? We couldn't work with people. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I have a coaching organization I built, and I, and I coach and I speak from stage and do products and stuff. I think the book was mainly to fill this space because so much today, and it's probably the same where you are, is the, the in-person training is not that much of it. Like when we quote recertify here in America, it's like video training and most of those videos are kind of boring. And there isn't a lot of this, what we've been talking about on this call, which is the support, the uh, camaraderie, the mindset, the fact that the, the knowledge that, you, that a teen referee today has can know that he or she has adults in the game who are invested in them having a good time refereeing. And so that's why my book isn't about the laws of the game at all. It's really written for, for three audiences. One, the teen referee, right? Two, the mom or dad, like the parent. Like, here's, here's a chapter for you. Here's how you can help. And three, what I call the same adults in the game. Like the same adults in the game need to stand up against the nonsense. You need if you're if you're if your son or daughter is playing on a team and the coach is abusive to the referee, you have to and I would be the one that'd be in their face gently going, no, like we're leaving the team if this is the attitude and spirit of the team. And and we have to embolden the same adults in the game to stand up and to be firm because a lot of times. They're like agreeing with me because I'd be the one in the stands saying, leave the referee alone. They agree, but they won't say anything. They won't stand up because they're just shot, I guess. <laughs> and where do you think that's come from? Is that just from years of not being challenged and, and people just allowing to, to, to share their opinion that's not factually correct in law and that people just let them get on with it? Is, is that how that's born? <laughs> Yeah, so, so if you sit in the stands at a high school game in America, what, what you'll find often is there's one or two loudmouths, and they'll start at it, and no one ever stops them. The, the administration of the school never stops them. The re we never referee out. You know, I don't hear them because we have headsets on. It stands are pretty far away, and, and no other parent stops them. And then what happens is, oh, the third one chirps in, the fourth one, and now you have a whole pack of them, and there's no accountability for it. Now, with... Um, you know, the work, I don't know if you're probably familiar with the offside Facebook uh, group, my friend Bar Brian Barlow, starting to expose, like, okay, you do that, 
There's videos everywhere. <laughs> Someone is going to be taking your video and embarrassing you. We don't have to say anything. Ollie, I just have to show a video of you screaming knucklehead stuff at a referee. So I think that's because there's no accountability and because there aren't enough people who care. And again, I would be the one at my child's games to stand up to other parents on my team and say, stop it, stop it. And they didn't like me. And most people would rather just like not have that confrontation. I think that's fascinating, isn't it? People, people hate confrontation and will do everything and just let people say and do what they want because of it. But I think challenging it in doesn't always have to be confrontational. No, it's, it, it, it doesn't have to be confrontational, but it, it, um, you know, I would say things like, 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 like just stop. Now, sometimes I said, look, you guys are a bunch of idiots, right? You just are. I, I, I was one game, my kiddo was playing and, and, uh, because of the parents who were out of control, two of our team's players ended up getting red cards because they were kind of emboldened by what the dads were saying. And so they did silly stuff to the referee. And now we're playing nine versus 11. I'm 100% convinced it's because the parents were going unfettered on the touchline and then they gets into the kiddo's, kiddo's head. So, and I was actually going across the field to take my kid off the team, but the coach was laying into the kids for their parents. And so I'm like, okay, this guy gets it, right? So we'll, we'll stay. Um, it's a hard thing in America because everybody wants their kid to be successful. Again, I guess like you all, they're, they're paying a lot of money you know, for clubs and travel and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. It's really interesting. There was something you said earlier that I just want to pick up on, and then I think we'll we'll make an attempt to wrap this up. But you said that in. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think we're all passionate about um, officiating. Yeah. Um, and I think some of the things that we talk about are very sport agnostic. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's soccer, football, it could be baseball, netball, hockey, anything really. Um, but you said in America, it's a referees market. Um, and you think that you've got referees choosing and selecting their own games. And you think that it's the the money and the the time and the location that drive that referee to make a decision as opposed to the, the games? Uh, well, I think it depends on the referee, right? So for me, it's not about the money at all. Like, uh, honestly, I will look at in some of the youth leagues, and if I have time and I'm going to go do a game, I'll try to figure out what teams are challenging, like, because we can see how many teams, how many red cards and yellow cards. Like, oh, Hispanic team against Hispanic team. And these guys are like club rivals. And it looks like referees have had challenges before. I think I can bring something to that game. And I enjoy those games the most because those players work really hard. And, and, I, and I've said this in other places. By and large, the, 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 the player, the youth player, is a highly respectful animal. I mean, they just are boys or girls. The conversations I'm having with them on the field are highly respectful. It's the adult parents that are idiots. So, so yeah. So, so you can you look for pay. You look if you're younger. You're looking for a location. What's close to my house? Um, who who will pay me timely? Again, the space that you all are working in. Um, uh, it's sometimes at tournaments. Uh, hey, who's got better swag and uh, a tent for the referee and food and stuff for the referee? But 100%, it's, it's a referee's market, at least in the Washington, D.C. area. Far, far more games than there are match officials. And, and then, you know, the, the hard part about that is you get guys who are my age doing five, six games. Like I, I do two, Max, two in a day, one in the middle, one on the line, because A, it would take me too many days to recover. <laughs> and, I can't, 
I feel bad. I get, that's you know, it's a reason I retired. If I if I can't get up and down the field, then I'm not serving the game. So I, so every game I do is like, all right, this is my MLS game. This is my premiership game. Even if it's a U14 boys game, I'm going to put everything I can into the game. I'm going to enjoy it. I hope you, hope you do too, as a coach and player and a parent. But I don't really care if you do or don't, right? I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Has to be has to be the number one, right? Yeah. Um, I have a question for you then. Um, if we could hand you a magic wand, what what would you want to change around refereeing, officiating? You could change anything. What would you change? That's a great question. I, I think that the key to improving the game is for clubs and leagues to adopt and to enforce a zero tolerance policy. We simply do not allow any abuse of referees. You, you, if you're here as the parent, you have chosen to be the spectator. You can be silent. You can cheer positively for your team, but you don't have a third choice of yelling at the referee or yelling at the other, you know, the teenagers on the other team. Same thing for coaches. If you're a coach in our club, your job is to coach. Your job is to raise good citizens. And we, you, I don't care if the referee is bad, like whatever. Like you're going to have bad referees. You're going to have referees like Ben who make mistakes, like me, Ben, who make mistakes. I do too. Too bad, <laughs> yeah. Like too bad. Me, me too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our, our club policy is Joe Tolerance. We'll have feedback loop. We'll try to get the best referees. But your job is to coach or your job is to be a spectator. That would be my magic wand. And some clubs take this more seriously than other others, for sure. Um, the kids just want to play. They hate it, by and large, from what I hear on the field. Like, they hate it when mom and dad is making an idiot of himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean that's tremendous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that magic wand will come uh, will come true one day. Well, that's the work that you're doing, the work that you know others are doing around the world to try to just raise this awareness. I think if we not, if we don't do the work that we're doing, we're just we're we are destroying the game, or we're allowing others to destroy the game. We're not going to destroy you, but we're allowing others to. Do. And you know, and when you have some kid who is good player who likes to play and it gets burned out because because mom and dad are a pain in the butt the coaches aren't respectful and as a result you know his teammates maybe aren't respectful and that player leaves the game that's really sad that's really sad because as you know football is, is a great like you, you can play like you got some of the people i was refereeing last night were not, not as old as me but they were up there right, a little bit um i still ran more and i had no substitutions for myself <laughs> <laughs> they were all in and out i'm like dude like i'm i'm not running it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, tra transparency is at, is at the top of what we do, you know, across across everything. You know, just to, if nothing else, raise the profile and, and make people aware to what it is that's that, that's going on. And I think yeah. slowly, I think we'll, we'll, we are seeing change and I think we'll continue to see, to see change. I agree with you. I think because there's more people like you involved in not, again, not just teaching the laws of the game, but raising the spirit of the game, raising awareness, encouraging, especially these young referees. Um, you know, the, the, the world is getting better because of your work. So I want to thank you for, for doing that um, and keep fighting because at times it's hard. It's just, it's just really, really hard. And there's always going to be knuckleheads out there, which is why I think we just need to send them to the parking lot and tell them, don't come back. Like, no, our, our league policy is no, no. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ben, it's been a, an absolute um, a privilege listening to you uh, speak and telling us a little bit about what it's like refereeing, your personal journey, um, and also what it's like on the other side of the, the pond. And there's certainly some some similarities. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, that magic wand would be lovely, but I think also reflecting on it as a teenage referee, if you can just spend a bit more time studying the law, actually that will give you a bit of confidence and and actually that might that might help you. And it's okay to be rubbish for two years, you know? It's okay. Yeah, I've been rubbish no problem. So, yeah. Great. <laughs> On to the next one. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ben, yeah, yeah. So, get your book? If someone wants to someone listening wants a copy of your book, where So I know it's on Amazon in America. I don't know if it's on Amazon UK. Um I and probably they can go to uh teenreferee.com or something. I actually forget. But Amazon in America has it. Um, if you can help me get it on um, Amazon UK, that would be awesome. Um, and I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm happy to, to talk to groups like you all. Um, again, not so much about what the laws of the game say, but, but how do we as a teenage, how do, as a young referee, how do you survive when for the first time in your life, someone who's not your mom, your dad, your coach, or your teacher is yelling at you and telling you, that you're wrong or you don't know what you're doing. That's just, it's a hard thing um, to appreciate if, if as a teenager, you never did anything like this. Like you never took on the responsibility of, of handling a game or umpiring a baseball game or whatever that is, right? Um, and then the adults in the game, the same adults, we have to band together and keep promoting this message. 